So, when I was at university, when I was at college, here down the road at CSU, I would get major, major anxiety anytime I had a test or an exam. Just the, the whole idea of the, the pressure that comes from a test, and, and you get a score, which is kind of this intrinsic uh, uh, judgment on your value. Uh, I, would, I would just stress myself out in major, major ways. The whole idea of, you know, the prep professor has shared a number of lectures, and we have this quote, but, but we don't really know what's going to be on the test. You know, maybe, maybe I should go ask the professor what he or she's going to put on the test, or just go over to office hours and stuff. Out. I mean, seriously, guys, this test anxiety is a real deal. Does anybody, does, can anybody relate? Like, it's, it was hard for me, but I'm thankful for the university setting, and I'm thankful that I went to school for five years. Um, because over time, I began to see that tests are actually fairly useful. They, they're fairly useful, and they are, they're actually good because you can be uh, tested on a particular subject to see how much you know something. And can you be depended on that knowledge when it comes to it? So here in our passage this morning, we're going to see a number of tests that the nation of Israel walks we're going to see not so much what they know, but we're going to see who they know. And if they can be. Now, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, we've been walking through the book of Exodus, and we've come to the end of chapter 15 today, and God has just done something amazing. God has not just done the amazing works of the plagues, but God has done the amazing work of saving his people finally from the Egyptians. God did this great work and brought about redemption for his people. 430 years as slaves in Egypt. And now, they're moving to the new side. And now, they move to the wilderness. So I was reading some commentaries here this week. Uh, one person called this uh, kind of wilderness university for the Israelites because they're going to face a number of different tests. And we as Christians, God brings us to the wilderness. Charles Spurgeon said that the uh, wilderness for the Christian is kind of like the Oxford of Cambridge. He's a good Brit. But this morning, as Christians, we're going to see that the Lord brings us to the wilderness to teach us to depend on it. Day in and day out. So we got a great, great text this morning. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22. So if you will, please stand with me as we show reference to God's word. I'm going to read Exodus 15, 22 through the end of chapter 
And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a law, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do which is right in his eyes, and give ear to the commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord the true you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water, and seventeen palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Chapter 16. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation and the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to bring bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion, every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare for what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that should grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, and there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his and the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more, some less. But when they measured it with the homer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no left. Each of them gathered as much as he And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and bread worms instead. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it did not move. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. 
Tomorrow is a solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Make what you will make, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over, lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called his name Man. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generation, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generation. As the Lord has commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land. No one was a tenth part of it. This is God's word. So again, the topic, our big idea here this morning, the Lord brings us to the wilderness to teach us now the roadmap for our journey here today, we're going to look at three different tests. We're going to look at two tests of Israel, and then we're going to culminate our time looking at the test of Jesus. Okay, so test number one, water. So there, that little section at the end of chapter 15, we see that the people of Israel, they are led from the Red Sea right into the wilderness. Now, for those of you who don't know what the wilderness is, it's simply the desert. It is a barren land where it is difficult for life to be sustained. And we read in verse 22 that there's no water. Now, this is a big problem. This is many, many people, probably a million. No water. Maybe you yourself have been in a situation where you found yourself without any water. I think of this past summer when I went camping with my cousin Matt. We went up to the Medicine Bows. We get to our campground. We got five kids with us. They, they bust out of the van. And then come to find out they turned off the water at the campsite. Big problem. So we got back in the van and we went and found water. Well, the people of Israel, they don't find water. So they come to Marah, and there's some water there, but they can't drink it. That's even worse. Like, you have water, but you can't drink it. It was bitter water, the text says here. And so Israel's response, I think it's kind of interesting. They, they just came on this huge mountaintop high. They're singing songs to God. Maybe they'll sing them another song here. No. Maybe, maybe they'll pray to God. No, no, they don't do that. They, they grumble. They grumble. The text makes it pretty clear. Grumbling is all over this passage here this morning. And it begs the question, what's grumbling? 
And then, which I think is really unique here in verse 26, we, we begin to see this pattern of instruction for God's people. Verse 26, he says, If you will diligently listen to the voice of your God, do what is right in his eyes, adhere to his commandments, and keep all his actions, then I will hear you. And I will not let any of those diseases that the Egyptians have be put on you. I am the Lord, your King. And notice that this law and what God wants them to do, this comes after He saves them. That's really important for us to read as New Testament Bible believing Christians. The law comes after God saves them. And so God. Here, at the end of chapter 15, he's continuing to reveal himself to his people. Right there in the wilderness. He is their healer, but he is also the one that they want to remember. He's teaching the Israelites. And then, in verse 27, look how God provides for If you still have the Bible, look down, verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water, and seven Not just for the Israelites, but even all their lifestyle. And by shaking God is their God. He's teaching us. He's teaching us. So, that's test number one. Lesson learned. God's test. So we come to test number two. I call this the food test. So chapter 16, they go back into the wilderness here. And they're hungry. And if you've ever been on a road trip with people, when they get hungry, uh, rumbling speaks specifically. And it's not just stomachs that grow. So here with Israel, the grumbling continues as well. And all of a sudden, they, they bring this accusation to their leaders. They bring this accusation to Moses and to Aaron. And look at verse 3. I'll read it again. The Israelites, the whole congregation now, says to Moses and Aaron, Would that be have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when he sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the pool? For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly. This is, this is a pretty interesting response for Israel. Remember, verse 27, God just provided for them. And now they're now they're in a different circumstance and they're growing. And I think it's revealing something. Something new is going on for the Israelites. One commentary that I read, I thought it was pretty good. He said, only the most callous hearts or the most stupid mind can conceive such a ridiculous charge. And it, I think it begs the question for us to consider. Like, if you were God, which you're not, but if you were God in this circumstance, and the Israelites, and all you've done for them, and then they grumble like this to the leaders that you have provided for them, how would you respond? How would you respond to them? For those of you with children, I think you probably know how you would respond. But maybe you're ministering to someone 
who just continues to have this pattern of sin in their life, and they continue to come back to you time and time again, and it's like they haven't learned from this. Proverbs says it's like a dog that returns to the farm. And we come to our response. And God responds with mercy. He's a patient teacher. Verse 4, Behold, the Lord says, I am about to rain bread from heaven to you. He is their provider. He is their provider. And I want to look at this uh, aspect of, of what God provided in, uh, in three different ways. I have three different aspects for you. The first one is God provides in a supernatural type of way. What he does here is quite frankly, it's a miracle. He rains bread from heaven. Traditionally, not just in our culture, but around the world, people have to work for their bread. It's very much a New Testament principle that if you don't work for your bread, then you don't eat. And ever since the fall, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, God said that when you go and work the land and get bread, it's going to be toilsome. It's going to be hard. It's going to be arduous. But it's still God's grace that we can get bread. I've seen this a little bit recently in our home. Kind of the silver lining for the Smith family during this COVID season is my wife has perfected the art of making sourdough bread. Oh my gosh, I, I'm obsessed. And many of you have eaten the fruits of her neighbors. But uh, I had no idea how much work went into like keeping this starter thing going and then how much you have to like prepare the bread and let it rise and then you prepare it some more and then you finally make it and then you can't get it right out of the oven. It's a lot of work. But oh, man, is it easy? And for whatever it's worth, I mean, Michelle's not going out and throwing rain in her backyard and then filling it. And, you know, she, she goes to the grocery store and buys flour. And I think for us, like in America, you don't, you don't have to work for bread like a lot of the world has and maybe even does. We, we go down to the grocery store and we can get some bagels, you need to get gluten-free bagels. It's like, you get whatever you want. But I think here, the Lord's mercy, He reigns bread from heaven. Israel was not to work for their bread. All they would have to do is wake up in the morning and go down. God did this for 40 years. Supernatural. Now this bread, it's, it's somewhat described for us here. It's kind of like this dew that had come up. Verse 31, we see that it was like coriander seed. Coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So it wasn't just any bread. This was good bread. Wafers made with honey. That sounds pretty good to me. But the Israelites, when they saw it, they, they didn't know what it was. I mean, the name manna literally means what is it? What is it? It was a strange thing for them. But God was quiet. He was teaching them. And praise God that he didn't just like take care of their carbohydrate needs. He also cared for the protein needs. And he gave them these birds, the, the quail. 
And uh, again, this also is a supernatural miracle that God provided for them. A lot of commentaries try to uh, explain these miracles that we see here in this passage with the with the quail. They're like, yeah, maybe it was like a unique migrating pattern. I was like, yeah, right. Birds migrate twice a year. They don't migrate every day for forty years. And I think what's even more incredible is that they, they caught these birds probably by hand. So this was a, a supernatural thing for God. But I think also what we see, what God is doing, is that it was sufficient for his people. It was sufficient. He was teaching them this concept of their daily bread, that he would provide for their needs day in and day out. Verses 16 through 21, we see that they were to gather as much as need, and if they hoarded some of the bread, that it would breed worms, and it would stank. It'd be real stinky. But day by day, just enough, he was teaching people. And it's here that he introduces this concept of the Sabbath to his This was a day that was to be set apart, the day of rest. They weren't together on this day, but they were together twice as much on day six. And, and this is the test. Will they listen to the Lord and take him at his word? Well, the Lord was trying to teach them more than just instructions on what to do every day. The Lord, the Lord was trying to teach them a, a lifestyle pattern. A pattern that they would see at the beginning of creation of God. Created the world in six days and then on the seventh day rested. A lifestyle and a pattern that he's going to go into more detail when he gives the law at Sinai and as Exodus continues and he reveals himself. But also this, this lifestyle, this pattern as they approach the promised Because when they get there, they would have to work more for their bread, more for their food. They Well, in verses 27 to 28, we see that they failed the test. They failed the test. They go out and gather on the Sabbath. And the Lord says to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? And so we see that uh, what God provides supernatural, sufficient, that God was trying to teach his people the manna, not just that he's going to meet their physical needs, but mainly that he's going to meet their spiritual needs. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. This is a great little uh, passage here, kind of looking back on this Exodus and wilderness experience. This is right before they go into the promised land, and Moses gives them this this great kind of speech. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor 
did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth. And so God wasn't merely concerned with the Israelites' bellies. God was concerned with their hearts. You see, God brought Israel out of Egypt, but it's pretty evident here that Egypt was still in Israel's hearts. And God wanted to sanctify them. God wanted to bring them through this process to change them. And it's evident that they needed the Lord's help. Because they grumbled. You see, grumbling, grumbling is, is a symptom of something going on deep. We see this in verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 8. And Moses just, just nailed it. He says, The Lord has heard your grumbling as you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, it's against the Lord. You see, grumbling, their grumbling is evidence of their unbelief in God, their rebellion to Him. The circumstances that He's brought them to, they don't trust Him. And it's their problem, it's our problem as well. You see, man was supernatural. It was sufficient. It was sanctified. It was used to humble Israel and teach Israel to depend on God every day. Their need is also our need. Day in and day out. And praise God for what He's provided for us. Praise God that He's provided for us Jesus. Now let's look at the test that He when we come to the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 4 and also Luke chapter 4, we see that Jesus is, is brought through the waters, the, the baptism, and then immediately he goes into the wilderness. It is a direct correlation. He goes for 40 days in the wilderness, and then he's tempted. The tempter comes, and the very first test, he says, you, if you have this power, command this, this stone to become bread. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8. Man shall not live on bread alone. And he's tempted two more times. Three tests told. And he quotes scripture every single time. Passing the test that Israel failed. He identifies himself with Israel here. When they were put to the test, they grumbled. But Jesus, instead of grumbling, he tried. He was obedient in the face of his test. And so people will look at, at this passage in Matthew 4 and they'll be like, oh, see, you need to memorize your Bible. It's like, I hope memories are great down. I'd love to do a podcast. But what the New Testament is teaching us here is something far and far richer. That Jesus is the true and better Israel who passed the test in the wilderness. And not just in the wilderness, but throughout his life. As he fulfilled God's law. 
pattern of instruction in how God's people will meant to live. He lived the life that we could not. This is Jesus. This is the bread that was provided for God. I think one of the best passages in the New Testament that colors Exodus chapter 16 is found in John chapter 16. Feel free to turn there if you want. This is, this is where we're going to land our plane this morning. John chapter 6. And we see that Jesus and his life is offered for us. So at the beginning of John chapter 6, we see another miracle. Jesus feeds the 5,000. 5,000 men, so it could have been 20,000. And they're amazed at what he does. Five loaves, two fish, Jesus provides. And so the people that want to take Jesus and make him as their king, Jesus sees this and he's like, nah, not time. It's out of it. So then the next day, he's on the other side of the sea, and the Israelites find Jesus. They're like, Rabbi, when did you come here? He says, you seek me because you ate your fill of the loaves. And Jesus tells them, do not work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will be So the Jews, being the nice legalists that they are, what do we need to do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus says, this is the work. They say, well, what sign do you do that we may believe? Our Father take the man in the wilderness, bread from heaven. Jesus replies, that's not Moses who gives you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. He who comes down and gives life to the world. For now, Jews, they're not just want to work. These Jews are hungry. This gives this bread all
Look at him, find satisfaction for him. 